And if people want to remove their masks at this stage, you're welcome to do that. Thanks again this evening to Laura and to those who have been leading us in our worship of the Lord over the course of today. And we're going to turn to God's Word together now. In a few moments, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 12. It might be worth um, your while if you've got a Bible or to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12 as I briefly recap on what we've discovered so far about the gifts that God gives us, and then we'll be reading some more verses in this chapter tonight. And last week, we started to explore what it is that God's Word tells us about the gifts that the Lord gives to His people. And we discovered some key principles here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just before we look at those again, remember that the gifts, the spiritual gifts that are being listed here in 1 Corinthians 12, that many of these gifts are what is known as apostolic gifts. So, they were gifts for the church at that time, for the, the church of the first believers in Christ. And you can see why that church, as it was emerging and as it was getting up and running, and as the gospel was being spread, would have needed those particular gifts at that specific time. But these are the principles that we were able to draw out from the first half of this chapter. We discovered about the purpose of the gifts that the Lord gives to us in our lives. Look again at verse 7, where Paul tells us, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul's not saying, these are gifts given to make you look good or to help you in your life. These are gifts to benefit those around you in the body of Christ. And the other key thing that we discovered last week, and we'll keep coming back to this point as well, is the source of these gifts. Where do all of these gifts come from? Well, Paul explains in verse 11, all these, in other words, all these gifts are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So, these are gifts that come from the Lord through His Holy Spirit. And what does that mean for us here in Connor? What does that mean for you here at this service tonight? Well, it means that the gift or the gifts that you have been given by the Lord, they're not for your benefit, but they are for the benefit of those who are sitting around you. So, even if out of the, the side of your eye or, or the corner of your eye, if you begin to look at the people sitting around you tonight, what God has done in your life is for His glory and for their good. And what that means is that there is absolutely no room for boasting or for any kind of sense of pride in, in what we have been given, because it is something that is God-given. It is a gift from the Spirit of the living God. So, we shouldn't have big ideas about ourselves as we exercise these gifts in the life of the church. And to come back to what that Christian writer, Carl Lafferton, who publishes with the Good Book Company, what he said, he sums it up like this, your talents are not from you, 
and they are not for you. They are God-given, and they're designed for God's glory and for the good of others within the body of Christ. And as we think about that tonight, and as we turn again to God's Word in 1 Corinthians, there is one other thing that I think it's important for us to clarify. When we talk about using our gifts in the service of the Lord and for the good of the church, we are talking about both spiritual gifts and natural gifts. Now, what's, what's the difference? Well, spiritual gifts are very specific gifts of the Holy Spirit given to some within the church to enable them to fulfill roles such as teaching and proclaiming God's Word. But natural gifts are the talents. They are the abilities that God gives to each person. So, if you think about that in the context of the church, we, we've been able to see some of those natural gifts in action already tonight. Those with a gift of being able to sing, using their voice, or, or, or using their fingers, able to play the piano, or another musical instrument. Or if you have been gifted with the kind of mind where you can fix something when it goes wrong, these are the natural gifts that can be used together within the body of Christ for the good of the church and in service of the Lord. And once again, the absolute key things to stress, that all of these are God-given gifts. They come from Him, and they are to be used to glorify Him, and they're, they're to be used for the benefit of others. They're not to be used selfishly. And you can think about the scope that there is to use some of those gifts for our gain, for our good, rather than for God's glory and the good of others. So, with that in mind, let's turn in our Bibles again, in God's Word, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read some verses later on in the chapter tonight. We're going to begin in verse 14, and we'll read selected verses, and I'll keep you right about where we are in this passage. So, let's hear God's Word together. This is His Holy Word, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 14. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And then we continue on in verse 27. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, 
those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues? Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts? Amen. And we give thanks to God for this reading from His Word. And we're able to see there that one of the the, the pictures that is painted in Scripture of the church is as being a body. So that in this passage here, Paul talks about the church as being a body of many parts. And what he's saying about us and our gifts, the gifts that we've been given by the Holy Spirit is so important. How do we sum up this teaching that Paul is giving us here in this passage? Well, we can sum it up with two words. The first word is interdependence. What Paul is saying here in this passage reminds us that we all need each other. That's what that word interdependence means. It means relying on one another, where I on my own cannot survive. And so, because we are interdependent, there is no one, absolutely no one in the life of this church who should think too highly of himself or herself. So, if I just simply take, for example, tonight the role that I have in this fellowship, the role that I have here this evening of opening up and and teaching and proclaiming God's Word, if I begin to think too highly of myself, if I tend to think that I am someone and I forget about this reliance on all of my brothers and sisters in Christ where their gifts must also be used, then I get into spiritual trouble. And in fact, the church will be absolutely ineffective in the mission that God has given to His church. Because if you just think about it at a practical level tonight, if I weigh in here and nobody else is willing to use their gifts in the service of the Lord, this service, this time of worship will not happen, or at least it will not happen in the way that it presently is. So, there is interdependence within the church, within the body of Christ, so that no one should think too highly of himself or herself. But then the other word alongside that, and the other thing that Paul is teaching us here, the key word is importance. Because having said all of that, we also need to remember that all of us, every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in this place, has something to offer and has a role to fulfill within the body of Christ here in Connor. So, by the same token, Paul is saying, don't think too little of yourself. Because boasting is a danger for sure. It is something that is wrong. It is something that is counterproductive in the Christian life. But there can be a false humility There can be a lack of confidence in the life of a Christian believer where someone thinks, well, you know, I can never be of use to God. 
I could never do anything in that church. I know the people who run that church and the people who do all this stuff in that church. And no, that's not me, but it should be you. If you love and you follow and you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we think about this tonight, it introduces to us another really important Bible principle. And that is that God never, ever calls us as His people to do something that He fails to equip us to do. He always equips us to do the things that He calls us to do. God will never call you into a role and then leave you floundering because you're unable to do it. And with that in mind, what I want us to do now is to look at four separate verses in Scripture. And these are all quite different verses, but they have one thing in common. These are things that all believers in Christ are called to do. This is God in His Word telling us to do these things, and therefore we must believe tonight that these are things that God will equip all of us to do in our lives and in the body of Christ. So, let's take a look at these verses together. The first of these verses is Romans chapter 15, verse 14. This is Paul talking in this letter, and he says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent, or we could use the word able, to instruct one another. Now, what's Paul saying to these people that he's writing to? And what is he saying to us tonight? What is God saying to us through His Word? Well, Paul is telling these believers, you know the gospel. You understand it. And even better, you've been changed by it so that you're becoming more and more like God's Son, Jesus. You are people who are full of goodness. And what's more, you're able to instruct and remind one another of the gospel. And what I want you to see and, and what I want you to really understand tonight is that as Paul writes those words, he's not writing those words to a pastor or a minister. He's not writing those words to the elite group of leaders within this church. No, he's writing these words to all of the believers in the city of Rome back then. And we believe tonight, because of what we were thinking about this morning, that God's Word is, is God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed. Therefore, Paul is writing this to us. God is saying this to you tonight, believer in Christ. And I wonder, do you ever think of your life in this way? Do you ever think of yourself as being someone who is able to instruct your brothers and sisters in Christ? And to do that, of course, it requires effort on our part. It requires us to spend time in God's Word in our own lives. It requires us being eager to learn and to grow in our faith and to grow in grace and to become more like Jesus. But God equips us 
to know and to understand, and then to share with one another and to remind one another of the gospel. So, the next verse, this time 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Once again, this is the Apostle Paul writing these words, and he says to the Thessalonians, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. And in these letters in in God's Word in the New Testament, every single time we see that word, therefore, that is a word that is linking what we're about to read with what we have just heard. It's a link word. It's a word that, that gets us to look back at what's already been said, to see the context in which this particular instruction is given. And the context that that Paul is saying this in, is God's people waiting for the Lord Jesus to return. He's saying, expect Jesus to come back, and know this, that in the meantime, your life here right now is going to be tough, that for believers in Christ, for God's people, there will be trials that you will go through. And that's why we need encouragement. That's why we need building up. And what I want you to recognize is that once again, Paul is addressing all the believers in this place, and therefore tonight God is speaking through His Word to all believers in this place, to all Christians. And the wonderful and the encouraging thing for us when we think about this verse is not only is Paul saying to these Thessalonians, this is what you should be doing. He's saying, this is what you are already doing. So, God clearly called them, and He equipped them to encourage one another, to build each other up, and He will do the same for you here in Connor. So, I want to ask you, if God is enabling you to do that, how are you actually doing this? What steps are you taking as a Christian believer to encourage and to build up your fellow believers in Christ? Do you even think about that or seek to do that at all? And then another verse, the third verse, this time we move from Paul to another of the apostles, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And a really challenging verse, because here Peter is saying, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And hopefully by now you've worked out the common thread that Peter is not here addressing an individual. He's not addressing a pastor or a group of elders. He is addressing the whole church. This is something that is an instruction to all believers in Christ. And what he's saying to all believers is, be ready to explain to people your hope in Christ. When someone asks, when someone sees that there's something different about your life, and they ask what that difference is, be ready to tell them about it. Be prepared. And yet I would suggest tonight that if you look at that verse, and you think about that instruction as being an instruction for you, for lots of people, that will absolutely terrify you. You'll think, how could I ever possibly do that? No way. 
But the God who calls always equips, always enables, always prepares His people to serve Him. And let's be clear, this is not a verse that is calling every one of us to be an expert in apologetics. In other words, in that um, field where we're able to give a defense of everything that Christians believe. This is not a verse that's saying that when someone comes up and hits you with a hundred questions about science and about evolution and about everything else, that you need to be an expert and tell them everything that we believe as Christians. It's not a call to be a leading theologian, although we're thankful that there are people who are gifted to do that and who do that so well. But rather, this is a call to be real about who we are in Christ. When people see the difference and they ask why we are different, it's a call that when people maybe try and trip us up in our Christian faith, or they, they try and catch us out with a question and work when we're having our tea break or our lunch, or when you go home tonight and someone says in your house, oh, right, you were back at that place again. Well, what did your minister say about dinosaurs or whatever it might be that is their hobby horse? That you can turn around and say to them, well, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know about that. But here's what I do know. I know that I was lost without the Lord Jesus. I believe that God tells me in His Word about the problem of my sin. And I believe what His Son Jesus said about coming into this world to save me from sin and death. So, I want to let you know I've got this hope in my heart. I've got this hope in my life. I'm sure of God's promises and that's why I live to serve Him and please Him. And, and though I'm not perfect, and I mess up, and I get it wrong, but I know that His grace is greater than my sin. And I know that slowly but surely, He is changing me by His Spirit to become more and more like His Son, Jesus. And then very quickly, one final verse. 1 Peter 4, verse 9 where Peter is saying later in this letter, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And again, this is teaching in the light of what Peter has said about Christ's return. Back in verse 7, he says, the end of all things is near. And what we are being commanded to do here, people, it is not rocket science, is it? Open your homes open your lives to others without complaint about having to do that. Being generous with your time, with your home, with your money for the sake of the gospel and the sake of others. And even I can put a kettle on, even I can throw a few biscuits out on a plate. And tonight this is a common calling. And when we see each of these things that God calls all of His people to do, all believers in Christ, we are confident that as He calls us, He equips us, 
that He asks us to do this, He enables us to do these things. And we're going to start to reflect on this at this point in the service. At this point, we're going to sing once again. And we're going to sing. Well, Charlie, thanks so much, because um, you're a bit of a guinea pig here tonight, whether you realize that or not. But we thought that while we do this course and this series, Prepared to Serve, thinking about how we serve one another and serve the Lord within the body of Christ, that not only do we want to watch the videos that PCI has produced, but really we're looking at strangers in that, that it would be good to hear some local voices familiar voices. And, and Charlie, this is a bit of a challenge. You, you've signed up for a challenge here tonight because I think that all of us would be agreed that we're not really comfortable about talking about our gifts or our abilities. And that's basically what I'm asking you, among other things, to talk about for a few moments. So, maybe if we begin by thinking about the time that Flo and you spent overseas, because I know that you had particular opportunities together to serve the Lord. What were you able to use your God-given gifts to do in that setting? Yeah, thank you. The uh, <clears throat> task was to help missionaries overseas. One of the bottom lines I had way back in 1987 was everyone in Northern Ireland has the opportunity of hearing the gospel. If was something we could do to help those who can't, we should do it. I'm in the building trade, I like drawings, I like doing stuff with my hands. And this job came up, our minister gave it to us, uh, urgently required in the Seychelles, Clark works for six months, and that turned out into 14 years. But at the time, we thought, yeah, we could do it. And, and we did. We went there, we packed up, we lived there, we are in Seychelles for a bit, and there's people, one of the things we learned was team building, because they're from all over, different people, I think in Connor is so many different people and characters and so on. In there is different races and um, where people come from different countries. So that taught us a lot on how to work together as a team and to support. The purpose was broadcasting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And indeed, the aerials repaired, maintained, and I got involved in that. And it was um, a fulfilling thing, but it was a simple thing in a way. It's just a practical piece of work in a different area than where you are here. But while you were back here, I can remember, since I asked this question, two things that was important to us, having you as our support. For two years, we were in Kenya, Zimbabwe first, and we were about to move to Kenya, and our support was going to shoot up 50%. I said, what can we do about this? Because Connor was our main supporting church. And it worked out. We went to Kenya, and the job unfolded itself eventually, and this support came. And it's from here, in Connor, mainly, that I came. There was a time whenever we were in Zimbabwe and we were just finishing off the job and we were about to move, and we needed to have hard pavers around the site I was working on, on the recording studio, that's the main part I was doing. And I let it known to Connor, and they came with 3,500, and I paid for the materials to get done. So it's just little things that, it was a team exercise. We were out there working with a team, and you guys back here were supporting us, and we were just doing practical things of engaging to support others in spreading the gospel. Brilliant. And the thing is, we're called to be missionaries 
wherever God has placed us. And I know that, you know, talking with Flo and yourself before, you have that real understanding that you're just as much missionaries here than you were when you were overseas, and that all of us who love Jesus are called to be missionaries in the place where we've been set. So, thinking about your life since then, Charlie, what do you enjoy doing most in the service of the Lord? And how do you think God has equipped you to do those things? That was a, a tough question. I felt uncomfortable because I have a couple of things in my mind I would like to do, but it hadn't worked out. It just has not worked. It's not in my area, and, and I still struggle with that. But I do look back on things that we got involved with. I think of men alive, getting involved with them, and uh, just connecting with them one-to-one, and you build up relationships, and it was a way of uh, just applying what you know of Jesus Christ one-to-one way in your opportunity. And it happened the same in your district. We've got opportunity to visit our district three or four times a year. And you meet sometimes just to give people information what's going on. But sometimes you can meet someone who's got, who's got a heart aching and they pour it out. And you realize together you can share something of what the Lord is doing in our lives. And I sometimes go back and amaze. I did not expect that at all. But it's just that continual communication, contact, and, and building up one another in, in, in the faith. So there are those things. And even recently, we've been involved in stewarding, showing you down to your seats. And I've been amazed at that, of how... I remember a time I was in the car and comb room, and I got people in there. And there was something nice about meeting people and greeting people. And I don't think we do it enough. Maybe when the regulations are down, we may keep to that just so we get talking to you and force you to dine into your seats again. But that's it, evolving, and I appreciate getting involved in it. Brilliant. Charlie, one of the things that we're thinking about in this course and in this series is that actually our gifts are not for us. They're for the benefit of others. So I want to to turn things around a wee bit. That means that you tonight and your family are benefiting from others around you. You're benefiting from their gifts being used for the common good. So, my question is, what do you enjoy and and what do you appreciate most about being part of our fellowship here in Connor? I think the very first thing is hearing the Word. Will you come into this one? Because on a Sunday morning, to be able to look forward to it, when I was young as a kid, I went up, sat down at that seat about six or seven years of age, and I just twiddled my, and just wanted to get out. And, you know, I think a lot of us can associate with that. But now it's become such a lovely thing to do. It's a meaningful thing to get exposed to the living word of the Lord. That is number one. And to be prepared for that and hear what God is saying. But the other thing is just seeing things develop. Uh, like gifts around in, in the church. Administration, I think of that. I think of the things of people do day in, day out, counting money, sitting down with a blank sheet by yourself in home in a youth organization, planning a rota and organizing it. That's administration. And it takes dedication and exercise to develop that. And you don't realize that if it wasn't for that, the thing will never happen. The engagement with people will never happen. So I've noticed that, and that's kept going. And even through the lockdown, we've had a lot of time on websites 
and so on, where uh, Zoom meetings, the youth organisations have kept meeting, which I think is um, in encouraging. The other thing I see would be the um, uh, hospitality, meeting each other, uh, a tea and coffee afterwards. It's, it's just different ways of engaging with each other. But I think um, I have to highlight this. There's one evening we had a praise service, and that's another area of missions of just of service or of gifts, is using your talents and singing and focusing on God. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the chief thing. We don't have to do anything else in life, really. But you, you find yourselves doing other things. But at that prayer service, there's the, the music and the singing. And I don't know what it was, but that was very meaningful. I think a lot of people did say that. We talked about it afterwards. We were praising the Lord. There's no side distractions, no, oh, I wonder what they're wearing or what they're having, what we're having for tea. There's nothing. There's pure worship to God, our Lord, and our Creator. And I think for me, that is something that I desire more and more. Have it every Sunday. I know we meet every Sunday, but our minds aren't maybe as focused as it could be. But uh, that's where I see gifts developing. Brilliant. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for taking time to share with us tonight, not only talking about how you are using your gifts, but how you're benefiting from the gifts of other people here. And that's a great encouragement, so thank you. I'm going to head back up the stairs here. I'll see you in a second. So very, very quickly, I want to finish off by reading just a few verses at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And really, we're, we're just going to comment on these so briefly, but it's important that we hear these verses in the context of what we've been thinking about tonight. So once again, in our, in our Bibles, we hear God's Word. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, this is the Word of God. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Amen. And those are verses that we often hear read at weddings, but they're not actually verses about love within a marriage. They are verses that are primarily about love within the church, the body of Christ, and specifically about love as we exercise our spiritual gifts, because you'll see that those verses follow straight on after all of this discussion that Paul has about the spiritual gifts that we receive and how we use them within the church. 
And what Paul is saying here is that exercising our gifts without showing love is absolutely useless. It's ineffective. And if we are doing that, we are actually spiritually in a dangerous place. And so, I want to leave you with a challenge here. Could it be possible that in your life, you are in this dangerous and ineffective place, that you're doing something around this church, that you're using your gifts that God has given you, but you're doing it with no love in your heart, no love for Him, no love for the people around you. And that is not a good place to be. And if that's the case, then here's what needs to happen. You need your heart to be warmed by the love of Christ. You need to remind yourself of the love that God has for you in Jesus, the love that was demonstrated ultimately at the cross where Christ gave His life for sinners like us. And this is the thing, when I read Paul's definition of love in those verses there, verses 4 to 7, well, I am struck by the truth that this is exactly what Jesus is like, and it's so seldom what I am like, because He is patient with us. I am so impatient. He is kind. I can be so unkind. He does not dishonor others. I'm too quick to dishonor people and what I think about them and what I say of them. He keeps no record of wrongs. I can bear grudges against people. That is why I, that is why we are in need of God's grace. As we think about that tonight, it compels us to seek the grace of God once again found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It compels us to seek the forgiveness that the Savior gives, secured through His sacrifice. So, let's pray together as we come towards the end of our time. And I just want to remind you of the books that we are using, of the things that you can do in your own time at home, and the prayers that you can use, the prayer points. And by the way, if you go into the hall tonight and you need to get a book and there are none left, speak to me and we'll order more of these books because we really want people to have these as we go on through this time of prepared to serve. But let's pray together now. Let's seek the Lord. Heavenly Father, tonight we need to confess the times when we have exercised our gifts in an unloving and self-centered way. Lord, for those times when we have failed to do the things that You expect all of Your children, all of Your sons, all of Your people in Christ to do, O oh Lord, forgive us, we pray. And we thank You that even when we fail in this regard, You love us with an unfailing love. Tonight, our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank You that He then equips us as believers in Christ, that He gives individual Christians different gifts so that taken together, Your church can function in the way that You have called us to do. 
that we can be the people that you call us to be, and help us to be more loving in the way that we use our gifts. Above all else, help us to increase in our love for the Savior, Jesus, as we realize His love for us. In His name we pray. Amen.